We're going to keep on talking about incarnating Christ. That means becoming more like Jesus in the way we live. Becoming more like Jesus so that as we live our lives around, people look at us and say, what is there about you? Why are you so different? What is that difference about your life? And we can say it's Jesus living in us. So that's what the word incarnating means. And we've been talking about the power of caring or caring power. So this is a focus on how we interrelate to other people, how we interact with other people. And we've dealt with encouraging one another. We've talked about being available so that God can use us, so that we can help other people. We're going to talk today about being compassionate. Um, We've thought about uh, and talked about being thoughtful in terms of uh, thinking about where other people are and, and, and how we can help other people. We'll be talking about... In, in next week, we'll be talking about accepting one another, and then the following week, we'll be talking about uh, respectful attitudes to one another, deferring for one another. So we want to talk about all the stuff, what I call is glue, the glue that binds us together, the stuff that makes us sit together as a community and, and, and as a society in Christ. That's what we're really talking about. So today, I want to talk to you about compassion. Compassion versus indifference, disdain, hatred, and prejudice. So compassion is the sort of the thought and the emotion that helps me to feel something for people who are broken down or hurting. It's the sort of thing that makes me feel connected. We had uh, the Dalai Lama come through Brisbane this week and he was preaching on compassion. He was saying that people need to be more compassionate to one another. And then he was saying that most of the world's problems are there because we are, are not very kind to each other, that if we were more accepting and more tolerant of each other's views of faith, then the world would be much better place. But I'm afraid that's very shallow in terms of its perspective because it doesn't understand that the real issue that faces us today is not really our relationship with one another, although that's a bad issue. The issue is our relationship to God. And what that means, so I can be nice to you and we can all live in a nice little huddle together here, but that doesn't make the hellfire get cooler and it doesn't make me get to heaven. The issue is I'm broken and separated from God and, and there's a judgment coming and unless I get that sorted out in my life, uh, I'm in dead st- trouble, you know, there's real trouble there. And having compassion that comes from God isn't just trying to make it smooth with each other here like this. It's recognising that this individual is not smooth with God. And having some sort of feeling about that, having a sense like that hurts to know that that... When you walk through the shopping centre, do you walk through and see dozens and dozens of faces with an eternal destiny going somewhere, going somewhere knowing that they may be dropping into hell at any point of time? Does that affect you or are you indifferent to that? Do you have a level of compassion or do you look at somebody who looks a little bit different and have some disdain for them because they haven't cut the right colour skin or they're not the right social ethnic you know, background and you have some sort of distance with them and you're not, you don't see that as a person with an eternal destiny. The real compassion that we have to have is not just trying to keep it smooth this way but trying to get it right this way before God and our compassion has to come from God toward us and then flow out from us toward other people. And it's about having a heart about where they're going and what's happening to them in life. If I have no feelings about the eternal estate, I can quite happily live together in, in harmony. And then when they drop into hell, I just say, oh, I should have told them, I suppose, about Jesus and the final destiny that awaits them. You see, it's easy to have smooth relationships here and Buddhists would like that smooth relationships here. It's just about how you live one with the other because they can keep on going around and around in their reincarnation until they perfect it. But if you die and then there's a judgment, you haven't got the time to go around and around for a thousand lifetimes to get it smooth this way. You get one bite at it and that's over. So compassion is about having the heart that recognises exactly what the problem is. And God has that heart toward us. He is compassionate toward us. So all compassion comes from God toward us. He shows us compassion. He lives out that compassion toward us. And then from that, from partaking of that compassion, we are able to be compassionate to others. That's how it flows. So I want to read the word of God with you today. 
And I want you to stand up. We're going to read Psalm 103. I know you sat down, just sat down, but you're going to stand up and you're going to read this word with me, okay? We're going to read together. I'll read the words in black and you read the words in blue. Can you do that? You think you can do that? Let's stand up for the reading of God's word. This is Psalm 103, verses 8 to 18. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. He has, moved our, he has removed our sins far, as far as the east is from the west. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. Of those who are faithful to his covenant and of those who obey his commands. Thank you, Lord, for your great compassion. Thank you for your mercy that shines on us, Lord. Thank you for the forgiveness that you have bestowed to us. And you've taken our sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've lifted us from the miry clay. You've put our feet upon a rock, Lord Jesus. And thank you for the compassion that you had, that you saw us, that you came for us, that you showed your love for us, that Jesus died for us, that we could have life with you. Lord, we thank you for your great love and your great compassion in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless. Sit down. So compassion is a beautiful quality. It's thoughtfully thinking about the other. It's sympathetic and generous and involves itself in a life of pain for other people. Usually if you have a compassionate heart, you feel pain acutely. You feel the other's pain. Somebody without compassion has no sense of empathy, no sense of like what that might be. So if, if you're a compassionate person, you tend to pick up what they're going through and you feel what they're going through, which makes you very vulnerable to people who are hurting. You look, you think that would be horrible. Yep, that would be really horrible. You think about it and you feel for them. That's compassion. It's a beautiful quality. It usually motivates within somebody a desire to help. So once you feel that, oh, I'm hurting for that person, it looks like you know, you know, you're out in the cold, you've got no coat, you've got no food, you're hungry. It usually motivates a person to let's get a van together and let's get some warm clothes in it, let's get some food in, let's take something to them and help them because that would be a nice thing to do for people who are broken. It's an intrinsically felt Thing. It's some inside. It, it's, it's grace filled and God's grace working inside of you to work out to other people. And it's usually summed up in the golden rule. If you, who knows what the golden rule is? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So there's some synonyms. These are the synonyms that describe compassion, pity, sympathy, feeling, fellow feeling. Empathy, understanding, care, concern, sensitivity, tender-hearted, soft-heartedness, warm-heartedness, warmth, love, brotherly love, tenderness, gentleness, mercy, mercifulness, leniency, lenience, tolerance, consideration, kindness, humanity, humaneness, kind-heartedness, charity and benevolence. They're just some words that mean the same as compassion. It's a beautiful thing. But the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, that your love must not be hypocrisy. Your love must be sincere. You must hate what is evil and cleave to what is good. And whenever there is compassion, there needs to be discernment. Because if there is no discernment when you have compassion, you are liable to be manipulated by the very people you are trying to help. And so there's a condition in terms of Compassion that has to do with discernment and rationale. 
You see, compassion is just not an emotion. It's a rationale. It's a thought process as well as it is a feeling. I can feel great depths of emotion, but my mind must rule and control my feelings. If I am just led to emotional feelings about something, then I am fodder for manipulation. You can put on a crying act and you'll get me every time and you'll manipulate me. And it may not be good for you that you are able to do that. So compassion has to be understood to be worked out in our lives correctly. Otherwise we'll be manipulated by people who know how to work that compassion on our lives. We tend to sometimes get a little bit um, hard about it. But compassion is about seeing the real condition of people. About caring enough to attempt to bring change to somebody's life. Now what is the real condition? Is the real condition that they're a drug addict? Is the real condition that they have no food and they're hungry? Is the real condition that they are broken in their relationships? What's the real condition? Is the real condition that they are wounded, that they are hungry, that they are starving, or if they are you know, somehow sick? What's the real condition? Because you've got to get in touch with the real condition. If you don't get in touch with the real condition, the church will become a social welfare program to help others. And there are plenty of people doing social welfare to help others. There are very few people bringing the gospel to bring Johnny to Jesus. God did not call us to become a social welfare organisation to make all the pain of social ill go away. He called us to bring Johnny to Jesus and the real need before us and the thing that's got to turn our compassion is, is the eternal state of a man and a woman who sits in front of us. Yes, we can look at their plight. Yes, we can see their need. Yes, we can see what's going on in their lives. But our heart has got to be for the soul of the man, not for their social condition. Yes, we've got to help them in their social condition, but the hard drive must be for their redemption and their salvation from sin. That's what's got to drive us. It's the real need. If you don't get that, you lose your focus in life and you lose the point of your being. You'll lose your way. God did not call us To be a welfare organisation, although we do help, he called us to preach the word in season and out of season. And that preaching is just not because we want to stand up there and you better listen to me. The preaching is because we know without the preaching of the word, they will not be saved. They will not come to know Jesus. So our primary driver, that primary driver in our, in, our, in our compassion is the understanding that it's not what's happening. In the, it's the fact that they don't know Jesus. Look, time will suffer here. We are like the flower that comes and fades. One minute we're here, the next minute we're gone, and it is as though we never have been. We can sit and think about how long is our life, and I can live to 120, but it's gone in an instant. Eternity takes a little longer. And if I haven't got it sorted out by the time I hit eternity, that's a long time of finding out about it. So it's not really what's happening here and now in terms of our social issue that is really the depth of the importance of our compassion. It's where their soul is that matters. We all will grow up, we all will die, we will all pass away, and, and, but we will all stand before God. And give an account of our lives before him. And that is the motivation of compassion. Right there. That's where your heart should be. You look at your life and you can chew over it. You know, when you go to school, did you ever think that the girls that are looking on their FaceTime and doing all their hair, turning the clothes and doing all the boppy stuff and all very, very trendy stuff are going to hell? that you are the last or maybe the only voice that can speak to their heart to show them that there's a way other than the way that they are going. Did you ever think that when you go to work and all the guys in the office are doing their stuff and it's all very trendy, it's all very secular, all very, all very pretty you know, 
sane sounding, but you are the only one who's the believer there. And the rest of them don't know Jesus. Don't know anything about Jesus. And you'd rather keep it quiet. What you need is a good dose of godly compassion. I mean, I, I, I can go through and tell you stories of, of when God's spoken to me to talk to some people and I've, I've not done it and then find out later that they've died. Or fully intended to go and talk to them later on. I think Dad's, you had a secretary, Mrs. Jordan, and we were just chatting one day after I'd come up from, from the, the, um, down, down, the, down in Melbourne. I, she was a lady who was doing the bookwork for Dad in, in Dad's office. And when she was talking about church and stuff, how are you going at church and stuff? Because I was pioneering a church. And in my spirit, I heard God say to me, don't talk to her about church. Talk to her about me. And I, and I felt that. And I thought, yeah, yeah. But it was five o'clock and she was going and you know, I didn't want to stall her. and I didn't want to tell you. I'll talk to you again in the morning. Fully purposefully to speak to her about her relationship with Jesus. Because that's the point. That's the issue. That if I had real compassion, I would have stopped her right then and brought her to Jesus. But no, I was kind of indifferent to her eternal state. The next morning I'm waiting to see Mrs. Jordan. We're waiting, you know. I'm waiting, you know. Is Mrs. Jordan coming? No, she's not here yet. Where is she? It's unusual. She's not here. Jenny and I go out, we come back at 3 o'clock Dad comes down the stairs, I remember coming down the stairs I said, what's up Dad? He had a look on his face like something terrible had happened, Mrs Jordan is dead well how did that happen? she was just coming to work she got down to the bottom step, she slipped over on the bottom step, went down and broke her, her head on the back, on the concrete step she climbed up, she put her hand on her head like that and blood was coming out of her head and she started climbing up the stairs like that hands, blood marks on the, she sat in her bed the hand on here like this started flicking through a magazine and died in her bed. How much compassion you got for the lost. Your encounter with them, your daily encounter with maybe the last encounter that they have with someone who knows about Jesus. The thing that motivates us is our level of compassion. And being able to see the real condition of a person's heart. And not be sort of phased by, oh, they're a nice person, they're a good person, really. You know, they've done nothing. They know you can't get to heaven by good works and being nice and wearing trendy clothes. You can only get to heaven by knowing Jesus personally and having your sins forgiven. And compassion understands that. Switches that on and says, God, help me see the real condition of men and women that I meet on a daily basis. And you, you won't want to pray that prayer because if you pray that prayer, you might find yourself walking around and then going somewhere to cry because you see how many are lost and how many are plummeting to hell. And you have the opportunity every day to touch one or two of them, to talk to them, to say a word, give them something, speak to them. Compassion. Compassion. Do you really feel the real estate of their soul? Are you connecting to the fact that they don't know the master? And to not know the master is damnable. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. And the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in the trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received. So he says, I'm going to give you compassion. I'm going to breathe into your compassion. I'm going to show you what compassion looks like. Now, once you've got that compassion, you go and comfort others with the comfort I've comforted you with. You know what happens? We are not a flowing stream by which the Spirit of God flows out to other people. We are a a lake that is stopped. We've become a stopped. If we're excited and when you and our faith, we just tell everybody about what's going on in our lives. Jesus is the one who saved me from my addiction. Jesus is the one who saved me from my sin. Jesus is wonderful. I love Jesus. I love you. And after all the people have told you to shut up about your Bible bashing, you just kind of get cold inside and say, well, I'm not saying anything now because it's to get some compassion. I would rather be mocked than be guilty with blood on my hands. 
Jesus says, for we do not have a high priest that cannot, the writer of the Hebrews says, we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but one who at all points tempted like as we, yet without sin. So Jesus came and he showed us this compassion. He identified with our state. You, know, you, you understand, when he's when he looking from heaven, he could say, you know, I could get, I could, we could, we, Father God, we could fix this. Just do a complete annihilation issue. Wipe it all out. And let's start again. And let's just tweak the creation so that they say, we love you, Jesus, and we're not going to fall away from you. But Jesus said, no, you know, I'm going to give them an opportunity to turn in their sin, to turn from their sin. And to do that, I've got to, I've got to love them. I've got to come down and step into their world. I've got to have compassion on them. I'm going to show them compassion and show them mercy and show them grace. And then when they turn, I'll turn them around and send them out to spread the message. That's what he did. And that's why we live now. That's why we have life, because Jesus cared. But being moved with compassion is not manipulated by emotion. And I really got to stress this, because some people say, if you don't do what I want you to do for me, you call yourself a Christian. And you heard it, you heard it, you know, well, what are we going to do? Some drunk person comes along and lays down on the ground. Oh, yeah, yeah, and we're just feeding coffees. I want a coffee. Oh, oh, I need it right, right to Ipswich. How come you can't go to Ipswich? I spent all my money on the booze and the gambling. Take me to Ipswich. And you say, well, I don't think I want to take you to Ipswich. I think I want you to live in the cold for a night. You know, I'll give you something here, but I want you to feel the pain of not being responsible. And then Christian brother says, how can you do that, Mark? You're so uncaring. I mean, if you're a real Christian, you do something like that and help them in their time of need. Assist them. And next week, drive all the way to Ipswich and let them off, and I've done it. I've gone at 3 o'clock in the morning to a phone call I got at 2.30. Come and pick us up from Ipswich. We've left where we are. We need a ride back to Brisbane. I'll be there. I'm going to get a couple of kids from Ipswich. They need a ride. They're stuck out there at 3 o'clock in the morning. Okay, says Jen, off you go. Great nut. Off I go down the road, pick them up. Come on back, bring them back. Now we want to give them a little talk about Jesus on the way back because that's what we're doing. Yeah, we got you, buddy. Got you. So you drop us off at this place. We drop it. I'll be out in a second, they say. We're waiting and waiting where they don't come out. They've gone up and out the back fence and over the top. They got a taxi ride in for free because some dummy had compassion. And in my spirit, I thought, I'll never do that again. And switch off the compassion lever. Because I haven't learned that compassion doesn't mean that you get emotionally manipulated. You've got to switch your head off because compassion isn't just emotion, it's rationale thinking as well. They both go together. And I want to show you that from Scripture. We have people that say to us, you know, my kids, my kids need medicine. Can you take me to the, the hospital? The kids crying there and running noses and everything. And you, you run off and you do all that stuff for them. You get there and why do kids? Well, we we spent the money that we had for the medicine. We spent it on alcohol. Well, you feel for the kid, hey. But the kid becomes a pawn and an exercise and manipulation just to get more and more out of a social organisation. It just becomes a means by which we can get a manipulation, a using. And we wonder why people have an attitude with regard to social welfare. It's because people know about social welfare and they use social welfare to get what they want without working. It becomes the means by which they manipulate. And if you are a Christian and you've been manipulated by that a couple of times, you have a tendency to switch off the compassion. You'll see them all sitting out there and say, they're there because they are not wanting to do something about their lives and you'll turn the whole thing off. Well, I'm saying to you, don't turn the whole thing off Get smart. 
turn your rational on and recognize this state and try and help them for where they are. Which may mean you say, no, I'm not going to help you today because you're going to have to feel the pain of that. And when you come to your senses, we'll have a talk about how to get you out of where you're at. Compassion is the rational and emotion that considers the other. It is not a tool where we can be manipulated by others and controlled by others. Compassion understands the real problem and it looks to try and help the person that's in need. So when Jesus came along, the Bible tells us in, in, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. So he looked at the big crowd and he just watched them wandering around and he saw their real condition. They had nobody controlling or leading their lives. They had no one caring for their spiritual souls. They had no one looking after them. They were like sheep without shepherd. And he felt for them. He said, oh, oh I want to help you. They're his sheep. They're the Jews. Here are the, the Jewish leaders were feeding themselves. They weren't looking after the sheep. The shepherds were feeding themselves. They were all about getting what they wanted. The Pharisees were all about getting it for themselves. And the sheep were like a... A herd of lost, confused individuals who didn't know how to get to God. Because the way to get to God had been maligned and, and broken down by greedy shepherds doing their own thing. And Jesus felt for them and he saw the real condition. And he, he had a heart for them. He saw them in, the, in uh, Matthew chapter 14 and it says that he saw them and he, he was sitting in the boat and he saw them coming through and he says they were sick and he felt compassion and he, and he healed them. He said, large, huge crowds were there. In Mark chapter 6, verse 34, Jesus saw huge crowds as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then it says this, so he began teaching them many things. Notice that he didn't say, oh, all right, let's set up a welfare program here to see if we can feed you and get you all fed. He fed them twice. And then when they wanted more on a regular basis, he refused them. He began to teach them. And compassion was the thing that came from him when he began to teach them because he said, you know what? You need to know the truth and the truth will set you free from your problems. You need to understand the truth. So I'm going to take some time here now and I'm going to teach you something. You having a problem with your money? Let me give you a, a lesson on how to budget and how to honour God with your income. Well, that was the most compassionate thing you could do. You know, you're saving him a whole lot of problems later on if you give him some teaching. You're having problems with some addiction. Let me talk to you about how you can control those raging emotions within your life and how to distract yourself and how to go through cold circuit. Let me talk to you about how Jesus can give you deliverance. Let me teach you that. You see, teaching is a response to compassion. That has to do with rational and spiritual truth. Not about providing, providing, providing as though all we need is money. You know, the, the, whole, the whole world works around if you, if you have more money, you can, you can enlarge your welfare program and you can fix all the problems in the world. That's not true. You can have buckets and buckets of money. The people will still have problems because they're not using the money right and they're being driven by their own self and flesh. It's about coming to Jesus. That's the real problem. There's a passage of scripture and it talks about a young man who's a rich young man. And here we see the, the, the hard compassion that Jesus had for him. And Jesus started to, on his way and the man ran up to him and fell on his knees. He says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except for God alone. He says, you know, the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honour your father and mother. And the guy says, teacher, I've kept all these things since I was a boy. So he'd been a religious boy, brought up in a religious family and done all the right things. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. What that tells me, he looked at him and had compassion for him. He looked at him and he saw what the real need was. He looked at him and he saw that the issue was not that he kept what he thought was the law. The issue was the thing that had hold of his life. He looked at him and he loved him and the compassion showed him what the real problem was. And then he gave him some real truth teaching. He said, one thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything that you have, give it to the poor and have treasure in heaven, come and follow me. 
And at the time, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Uh, so did Jesus have compassion? I mean, what would you have done? Well, we need somebody else in the church, you know. That would be a nice young man. He's a good religious young man, and we could just tell him to double tithe. That's all we'd need to do, double tithe. You know, that would be at least better than what he's doing now, tithing. A double tithe would be great, you know. We can put him on the board. We can put him in leadership. We can do lots of things because he's a noble young man, and he wants to do the right thing by everybody. And we can tell him all his works are going to give him to eternal life. No, Jesus does not play that game with him. He looks at him and has compassion on him. He says, the real problem is your stuff has got you. You don't have the stuff. Give your stuff away and come and follow me. And this guy says, I can't do it. It's too hard. There wasn't a problem with compassion. The problem was sin. And the boy didn't want to stop the sin. Jesus didn't have a deficiency in compassion. He didn't have to make it easier for him. He said, I'm going to have compassion, but I don't know whether you're going to write what I'm going to say. You can have compassion and not fix people's problem because compassion deals with the real issue. What is the real issue? The real issue is you're materialistic and your stuff has you. I want you to come and follow me. I want you to be like another disciple. Give it all away and come and follow me. And what did he give away? He gave away eternal life for temporal pleasure. Was there a lack of compassion and feeling for the man? No, the Lord of compassion had Compassion and love toward him. So compassion is not the cure. Compassion is the motivator to give light to the one who's lost. Compassion stirs your heart up and says, preach the word in season and out of season. Declare the truth to this person. Let them know where they're really at. Compassion says, shine the light into the focus of their life. Let them see for once the truth. And then if they respond to the truth, they'll be saved. No compassion says, don't worry about it. Maybe we can figure out another way to make it feel nice for you. We'll give you some bread and we'll give you a house to live in. We'll all make it nice for you so that you can live your life nice with your sin. You lack compassion. Because compassion is connected with truth. And truth shines the real condition into the face of the need. Individuals will love to tell you what the problem is. They'll love to tell you what the real issues are. They'll say, oh, please have mercy on me because I have this problem. And they'll tell you what they think the problem is. So godly compassion is not mindless emotion that just gets manipulated by what they say the problem is. Compassion, godly compassion identifies what the problem is and gives the solution from God's perspective. That's a whole lot different to what's happening sometimes in people's life. They're moved by all the stories. They're moved to try and they're bending themselves inside out to try and fix the problems when the real issue is sin that's in the individual. And as soon as you bring the light of the gospel into the face of that, a lot of times they love their sin more than they love salvation. So your compassion brings a rejection from them towards you, not an acceptance. So oftentimes we think, you know, if somebody is compassionate and provides a solution for people, then obviously then they're going to respond. Yeah, they may not respond the way you think they're going to respond. The idea is to shine the light. See, it's all about repentance. And if you go to this passage of Scripture, and you can read this passage of Scripture later on when you go home, Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 32, it has three parables in it. And it just shows you the, the, the grace of God reaching out to those that are lost. And the first one he talks about a lost sheep. He says if there's a sheep that's lost, he says the, the shepherd will leave the 99 in the field and he'll go out and, and he'll go and find the one that is lost. And when he finds the one that is lost, so you've got this idea of compassion is coming for them. He's looking, he's, he's searching, he's wanting, he's, he's desirous to help. 
compassion. Love is going out there looking for the lost sheep. So to me, it speaks of when we're out and about with people in our, in, our, in our everyday life, everybody that's coming your way is kind of like a lost sheep. And they're looking at your face and they're saying, what do you want to tell me? What is it that you've got that I don't have that you need to tell me about? And you think, well, you know, I don't want to walk around my life with this whole idea in my head that I've got to tell everybody that comes my way that I've got to tell them about Jesus. I mean, that would be such a, a burdenous thing to live. Yeah, yeah, it might be, but you know, there may be hundred more people in this church if we'd done that. There may have been a hundred more souls saved if we just had the confidence to let that come out of us, if we went looking for the lost sheep. Well, they may not come. We may not find them, but if we do, there's a party in heaven because one repents, one turns around. That's the point. The point is repentance. They're going to turn around. They're going to change their mind. They're going to turn around and come back. And he goes on and tells another parable and he talks about the woman who's lost a coin. And she, he says, won't she just turn on the lights and won't she just take everything out of the house and sweep the whole house until she finds the lost coin? She'll do that because she's compassion, looking for that thing, looking for that thing, looking for that. And when she finds it, we're told again, there's a party in heaven when one repents, when one turns around, when one gets the opportunity to turn around, when one sees the state of their, their life before God and turns to God and says, forgive me. Let me change the way I'm doing what I'm doing. It's a party in heaven. Then he gives a final a final story, the parable of the lost son. This is a little bit more difficult, but we get to see compassion really acted out well in this story. Well, you see, there's two brothers, one good one and one bad one. They both, one of them complains he wants to get all his inheritance, you know. And once he gets his inheritance, his father gives him his inheritance, he takes his inheritance and he goes to a faraway country and he uses his inheritance to have a party that never stops. Now, when you read that I want you to notice something. There's an interesting statement. Note the father's distance. He went to a faraway country and he spent everything that there was and there was a severe famine in the the whole country and he began to be in need. And so he texted his dad and said, have you got any more money? Can you send me a down payment? My rent's run out. And so dad said, no problem, son, I'll send. Didn't happen. The son's away. The father has compassion. He comes to his terrible time. There's a famine in the land. His rent money runs out. His food money runs out. And no one gives him anything. I mean, his friends are not going to help him. And he's looking down at the feed, that the, the feed that the pigs are eating and he wishes he could get a hold of that stuff and eat it and fill his stomach. And in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his pain, he might ring you and call out to you and say, can you help me in my situation? I, I just, you to help me now. And if you don't have compassion, you might just say, oh, let me give you what I've got in my wallet and I'll help you out for another day. Have you got a buck? Have you got a dollar? I just need some money. I don't have any money for milk. You know, you give them a buck and a dollar. Why? And you saved them from getting to that place of desperation. And at the place of desperation, what happens? He comes to his senses. He wakes up. If I keep on doing this, I'm dead. You see, we cut across the working of God when we think that we kind of help out a little bit. We get a compassionate feeling and, oh, let me help you with some money here or let me help you with this. And they go, hey, I got you, you bunny. And they run off and get another fix. And you say, what happened? I just gave him some money for the... I'll give him a meat pie. He'll say, good, that means I can use my Centrelink money on dope. You've got to rethink this whole thing now. The very thing that you think is helping may be actually hindering them from coming to Jesus. Sounds hard, doesn't it? That Jesus would have them starving so that they would come to know him. You would teach them and say, look, if I give you this, what are you going to do with your Centrelink money? Are you getting Centrelink money? Yeah, why is it run out? Why is your Centrelink money running out? You what? Gamble. 
So what's going to happen if I pay your rent, we go around the churches and get our rent paid? That's what they do. Ring up. Oh, we've got a, we're a lovely organisation here. We'll give you 300 bucks for your rent this week. If, if they're silly enough to give the money, the guy's gone out and he's bought something with it to, to shoot up his arm again. And he goes to the next church looking for rent money. Oh, the guy who got the rental house, he just weeks behind in rent. He's just not getting paid. What's the guy doing? Well, he's going to take him a long time to kick me out because I know the system of the RTA. So work it, work it, work it, work it. And you, bunny Christian, you, you Christian, you think you've got to do the right thing because you've got a heart full of compassion. You've got to help this poor individual and feed him something and help him, give him a drink. And he looks at you and says, you're a stupid bunny. I'm going to take everything you've got and go, you can't fix my problem by being kind to me. You've got to tell me the truth. Did I spit at you? That's okay, it's holy spit. <laughs> Friends, This is hard. We find ourselves in situations. I I remember a story of a guy who was trying to help a person and and this person was in their face, screaming in their bedroom, crying, crying, someone help me, someone help me. And he was going down to her room to help her because he was staying overnight and God told him, don't go anywhere near her now. And the point was, that God was dealing with her in her spirit to bring him to herself. If he stood in there and cut across what God was doing, she wouldn't get saved. She would cling to him and not to Jesus. Sometimes compassion speaks the truth and then steps back and waits for the work to come that God is doing. Sometimes we truncate a person's progress forward because we are too kind and too reluctant to speak the truth in season and to teach them accordingly. So he comes to his senses and he comes back. He says, even my, even my servants in my father's house are eating. So he says, you know, I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn around. And he heads back along the path and when he is far away, the Bible says the father sees him. He's obviously been waiting there for a long time, waiting, coming there to the gate, looking and looking and looking. He has not gone looking for him. He did not get in his car and drive down to the city to find him somewhere, drinking somewhere. He was hoping one day he would come back and walk through the door. He waited and waited and waited and waited. And when he saw him afar off, he ran to him and he put his arms around him. He loved him because he was full of compassion. But he did not go that distance. He waited for him to come to him. There is a truth there. If they're not coming to Jesus, you're wasting your resources. You hear me? If they're not coming to Jesus, you're wasting your resources. And the devil will laugh because he'll take it all off you and you say, I've given it all for the poor and there's nothing, no fruit for it. Because it's not about being a welfare situation. It's about preaching the word of God and bringing them to Jesus. Compassion is rational and it's emotional. It's just not all emotion. It thinks about it. It says, if I give him now this bread to eat, what will he do next week? He said, well, if you're not giving me my bread, I'm just going to go away. What are you going to do? I'll find somebody else. Well, you're not even in the frame of mind to turn, are you? You're not even interested in turning. You're just interested in working the system, pulling the, pulling the lever and getting the money out of the Christians who got the heart for it. Friends, this is what happens. You, the church either becomes a welfare system, everybody give your money now because we're going to give it away to the poor. Senseless welfare. And it becomes like Salvation Army who don't teach or preach the gospel anymore. Just provide a social service, weak at that. Or you recognise that compassion understands, it looks for the real condition and applies itself in teaching truth and providing help for the real condition. What Jesus wants us to be is compassionate. We know that the elder brother didn't have the level of compassion that it was needed. 
Isaiah says this. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him. Everybody say that. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him. Say it again. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him. So he can show you love, his love and compassion. So some of you are going through some hard times. Difficult times. Maybe you're sick. Maybe there's dilemmas in your life. So why doesn't God care about my situation? Why doesn't God help me in my plight? Why doesn't God have compassion on me? Maybe he's just waiting for you to get down on your knees and they say, God, I don't know why it's not happening for me. But I'm coming to you now. Show me my condition. If you get down on your knees and you get broken before God, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and the contrite in spirit. And he's there to help you. You see, what you want is God to help you without you getting broken. Sometimes God breaks you so that you can go and meet him. And he ain't coming anywhere near you until you get broken because he's not going to assist you in your course of life which is in the wrong direction. Sometimes... It gets awfully quiet. I'm a Christian. I'm doing all the right things. Why isn't God helping me? You know what? Maybe you need to stop and say, God, I'm coming to you now. You're going to have to show me what's going on. And he says, now you come to me. I'll pour out my love and compassion, but I'll give you some teaching about where your state is, your condition before me. And let me show you what's really going on in your life. And then things may turn around. Jesus saw the large crowds. He saw them. They were like sheep without shepherds. And he began teaching them. And this teaching was about change or die. Everybody say that. Change or die. It's a very basic idea, really. You change or you die in your sin. A simple truth. You're heading in the wrong direction. You're going in the wrong direction. If you keep going in that direction, you're going to head yourself right into sin. You need to change or die. And he's loving and compassionate in the way he does that. You know, when you think about it, you know, we often think that just because God is compassionate, we've got to see some great things. And Jesus comes to Jerusalem. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who killed the prophets and stoned those who sent to you. How often, he says, I would have loved to gather you like a chicken gathers its chicks under its wings. But you would not. You were not willing. Is there a lack of compassion in Jesus? He's like, I'm like a mother hen. I wish you would come so I could cluck, cluck and sit on you. I want to warm you. I want to feed you. I want to nourish you. Come to me. Come to me. Jerusalem, 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 Jerusalem. But you would not. No lack in compassion. But the compassion is not foolish. It's not let me give you whatever you want and you can make me king. You only want the food because you want the bread. You don't want me. Believe in me. Come to me. I am the bread. I am the life. But they would not. They would not. So there's no lack in compassion. Just lack of repentance. He cried. He approached Jerusalem. He saw the city. He wept over it. He says, if you had only known the day and what it would bring you peace. But now it's hidden from your eyes. You see, having compassion doesn't mean that you're going to see good fruit all the time. It means that you stay connected to the real need. Stay in touch with the real need. Kath doesn't need more people to go on the street van to stroke people's arms and to give them food. Plenty of people do that. Kath needs more people who see the real condition and look for opportunities to shine the light of truth into broken people's lives. It's all about the truth. It's all about bringing Johnny to Jesus. It's not about feeding them food. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, 
Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Pick it up like a jacket. Clothe yourself with it. What? You want me to pick it up and clothe myself with it? Yeah, I want you to take compassion. Say, compassion, a rationale and an emotion. An idea that looks at the real state. And I'm going to put it on in the morning before I go to work. I'm going to clothe myself with it. So that now I am clothed with compassion. I'm thinking people are going to come in front of me that don't know Jesus today. I am going to be able to shine the light of the gospel into their lives. I'm going to clothe myself with it. I'm going to do it gently. I'm going to do it with humility. I'm going to do it with kindness. But I'm going to see what the real issue is and I'm going to live my life clothed with compassion. Clothe yourself with it. Are you indifferent? Doesn't make any difference. The issue is not the difference that you make. The issue is the reflection of your life. I'm not looking at the fruit and saying, if, you, if, you, if you, we're going to see more fruit, we may see nothing. Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It says that. And, but this is, the, this is the reality. Men love darkness rather than light. They wouldn't come to him. So the issue isn't the result. The issue is being the light. You see, you often say, well, I won't do that unless something comes from it. Well, just do it. Because that's what Jesus wants you to do. And let Jesus be the one who's concerned about the fruit. Let the fruit come out of what Jesus does in their life. But you shine the light. Amen? Let's stand up then. Uh, look, I, I know this is an emotional one where you can start to say to somebody, you know, you know, how's your witnessing techniques and so forth, and everybody feels extremely guilty about that because we really don't share enough about Jesus, do we? We really do put the light under the bushel when we could shine it out. And we say, well, I really don't have a gift of an evangelist. You know, if I were to walk with Cheryl, it would be different. You know, Cheryl's always talking about bringing people to Jesus but I don't have that sort of ministry. But you want to have some compassion? You don't have to be an evangelist to have compassion. You just have to look and to be ready to give the word in season, to know what the real condition is, and then to say, you know what, I think the problem is something different to what you're thinking. I think the real problem is your relationship to God. And shine the light. That's compassionate. Let's pray and ask Jesus to help us to clothe ourselves. There's something you have to do, friends, not something that He's going to do with you. He's going to say, You clothe yourself. Just pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm coming to you right now and I'm asking you to help me. I don't want to play silly games, I don't want to be used. I don't want to be exploited. But I want to shine, Jesus. Give me wisdom to shine your light. To see those who come around my life in their real estate. And give me words, Jesus, to teach and to instruct according to your Holy Spirit and your written word. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.